Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of Breaking Down the Doors. I'm Vanderbilt beat reporter Adam Sparks, along with Mike Organ, former Vanderbilt beat reporter. For the second straight week, we're going to talk about Derek Mason's job being on the line. And there's a good reason for that. Fans aren't even fed up anymore. They're actually apathetic. Vandy was blown out by Ole Miss last week, and it seemed like fans tuned out well before the game was even over. But would Vandy fire Mason simply because of apathy? Well, this was our topic last week about Derek Mason's uh, job, and I thought we should bring it back uh, again, and there's a few reasons for that. We're going to go over those. Mike, I remember when we brought this up in the preseason, you had mentioned that you had a, you had a, a friend, an acquaintance, who had put some money on a, on a bet of Vandy going 0-10. He was betting that Vandy would go 0-10. How's, uh, how's that bet going right now that they're 0-4 with that guy? Well, it's interesting you bring him up because the bet's going well. You know, there for a while he was worried that things were going to go get, get so bad for Vanderbilt that Vegas would take the bet off the board. And he started cheering for things to go well for Vanderbilt toward the first of the season, the start of the season. So the bet is holding up. And just between you and me, I, I think it looks pretty good for him. He's going to uh, cash a pretty big check at the end of the season. The other thing, though, interesting you bring him up is I, I spoke with him. Sunday after uh, Saturday's game, and he, I mentioned Vanderbilt to him because he wasn't going to mention Vanderbilt to me because not many people talk about Vanderbilt these days, apparently. He brought up to me the fact that he's an avid, avid SEC fan, as big an SEC fan as you're going to find. He told me he could not name one player on Vanderbilt's football team. In the past, he could name the starting lineups for pretty much every team, at least get, you know, eight, nine, or ten players on each side of the ball he told me he could not name one player on Vanderbilt's football team. He, he came up with uh, Johnson, and he goes, I know they have a receiver named Johnson. Is it Chad Johnson? And I said, no. Cam. I, think, I said, I think that's Ocho Cinco. He goes, that's right, that's right. And then he goes, and then their quarterback, and he couldn't he couldn't even guess on him. Anyway, couldn't name one player on the team. Do you – I mean, this irrelevance – you know, Adam, I covered Vanderbilt when – the Predators were coming to town and the Titans were coming to town pretty much at the same time. And Tennessee was on its way to winning a national championship. Vanderbilt became very irrelevant during that time because they were winning two, three, and four games a year with Woody Woodenhofer and then Bobby Johnson. Uh, that was the most irrelevant time I can remember Vanderbilt being. How irrelevant are they now? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're pointing to with your buddy there with uh, that level of apathy I mentioned before. Um, by the way, Cam Johnson, pride of Brentwood Academy. Ken Seals, quarterback. Your buddy he, needs to subscribe. He not, he, I mean, he knew the guy as a player in high school. Yeah, yeah, your buddy needs a Tennessee subscription to follow me on yeah. the whole <laughs> roster. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I get kind of what you're pointing at. It's uh, it's the public in general has deemed Vandy football irrelevant. Uh, the fan base, I think, where it's even more of an issue with apathy has sort of thrown in the towel on on this season getting any better. And, I mean, you know, if you look at the evidence on the field, Ole Miss was the last place team in the West Division. Ole Miss beat Vandy 54-21. to 21. They scored at will. Mississippi State is now the last place team in the West, which Vandy will play this Saturday. And Mississippi State's an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. That's, that's a one-win team up against a winless team, and they're almost a three-touchdown favorite. 
you know, it 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 doesn't say much for Vandy's prospects the rest of the season. And there aren't going to be many chances left to, you know, to avoid that 0 and 10 that Mississippi State's probably that's probably the best opportunity. Um, so I, you know, so with that sort of as a as a backdrop, I want us to talk about Derek Mason's job security from maybe a little different angle. I think the two things we've discussed before, the the two reasons, the two factors, I guess, in Mason's job security, that is where he could return for next season would be this. Number one, his contract situation. He's got maybe two or three years um, after this one. He's got multiple years left. We don't know because his contract isn't public, but we know he's got multiple years, at least two beyond this one. So we don't know what the buyout is, but there would be some sort of buyout. That's number one, his contract situation. Number two, the impact of COVID-19 and injuries as an excuse or a reason. And by the way, that got even worse today. We're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, starting safety, Donovan Kaufman, uh, who's also the, the leading kick returner in the SEC right now. He's out for the season, played only two games. He's out for the year for medical-related issues. That takes a roster that's already got a, a lot of problems with suiting up enough guys on Saturday and depletes it even further. Danny Clark, their number three quarterback, junior college transfer, um, he has opted out. I'll see that in quotes, opted out um, of the team. That's basically how Derek Mason termed it. He was here for three games. After three, he has opted out. One way or another, he's not going to play the rest of the season. So, so that's number two. It, it, is that an excuse for Derek Mason? Hey, I don't even have all the bullets in my gun, and I haven't had them since the beginning. How do you expect me to win SEC games? That's number two. We've talked about those before, contract situation and the depleted roster. I wanted us to look at, I'm going to say, maybe three more issues that Derek Mason is going to have to approach to keep his job. Number one is apathy of fans. You know, can Vandy endure the fact that their fans just don't really even pay attention anymore? Number two is, you know, if you have a, a coach go 0 and 10, regardless of the circumstances, and you're not even close to competitive, are you kind of forced to pull the plug? Is it so bad that you you have to do something? And number three, does athletic director Candace Lee and Chancellor Daniel Deermeyer sort of have the juice or have the, you know, the the gumption to make such a move when that has not been what Vandy has done in the past. They don't let coaches go with multiple years left on, the, on their contract. So, so Mike, let, let's, let's do these one at a time. Apathy of fans. Derek Mason is 27 and 51. He's three and 13 over the past two seasons. Can you fire a coach even at Vanderbilt based on the fact that your fans have zero hope of things turning around. I know you can at other schools, but would Vandy go that far to, to care about what their fans uh, think at this point? Well, on, on top, <clears throat> on top of that record, is he, does he not have 10? And, and it's not a bad record to be honest at Vanderbilt, but the 10 wins, is that right? 10 career wins in the SEC shows that they are no longer competitive uh, in the SEC uh, after being competitive under James Franklin, who, preceded him. And I think that as much as anything else has led to the apathy and the great apathy that could uh, end his tenure. Uh, Vanderbilt is not competitive in the, uh, in the, the Southeastern conference. And with you only playing Southeastern conference games, it doesn't leave a lot of reason 
I, I would challenge Derek Mason or Candace or anyone else at Vanderbilt to give me a reason as a fan to follow them. I mean, there's just not a whole lot there. And with that being the case, you know, if you, if you were in some other conference possibly, but being in a conference that is so competitive, I think that that lends to the uh, uh, argument that you could pull the plug on him this year. Well, if, if Derek Mason was fired based on apathy of fans, again, that's why other coaches are fired at other schools, especially in the SEC. If he was fired for that reason, I think Vandy would have to go against the grain of its, of its history, of its brand. Because, yeah. I mean, think about this. If you were to fire him because of apathy of fans, you're saying that we, we, we value, we put a high value on how our fans see our program well, there aren't even any fans at the games. I understand there are medical reasons. This is because of COVID-19. But if you're so careful to even keep parents of players out of the stadium, you know, and, and deal with somewhat of the backlash of that and not have a problem with it, um, you know, it's hard for me to believe that you would, you know, take the fans – apathy into account when you're trying to decide whether or not to bring your coach back that they they've weathered the the you know some of the backlash of hey can you not let you know a few hundred a few thousand fans in the parents of players can you not just bend a little bit of that and when the answer is no that tells me that there really isn't that much uh, desire to you know to do what the fans want which the fans right now would would want Derek Mason fired because they don't care anymore my interest, I mean, it's so obvious that where the fans are, and it didn't, it didn't take COVID or this year to find out. We saw it last year. And uh, the fans obviously have become so apathetic that I, I think that's bottomed out. My interest now is in the boosters, the donors, and the supporters of the program. Where are they? And I think they have now, now – more than ever as before, have a greater say in whether Derek stays or goes. And I don't know where they are these days. And I know they have to be greatly – now, this all links in with fan apathy because these are the guys that are out and the women that are out in the public and at the cocktail parties, and everybody there knows that they're Vanderbilt supporters and, and give their money to this program – and they get ribbed awfully bad. They get teased. They get uh, made fun of. Uh, you know, uh, they're, it's, they're, they don't like that humiliation. These are very successful people, generally speaking, that are, you know, not the point of ridicule in most cases. So where are they in, in this uh, approach of apathy? Because like, the apathy of the fans makes them look that much worse. Yeah, and, there, and there's so much of a uh, – there's some layering of this. There's uh, – you know, those same fans have dealt with basketball, which is usually pretty competitive, basketball being terrible for a few years. Mm -hmm. They get their baseball, and they can beat their chest for baseball. And I know Vandy fans love doing that. But when basketball has been down, and Stackhouse is starting to bring that back, but there's a ways to go. But when you're dealing with that and then football is not competitive, you know, it 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 can you know, it can have an effect on on those fans, on those boosters. And, and it's not even losses. You know, you can lose SEC games by a touchdown and do the old, you know, Vandy almost pulled out a big win sort of thing, because that, that's you know, that's a worn out narrative in this program. But it's it's when you're not even competitive. I think that's when 
there's a bigger issue. And, and that was the number two on my list about how, how Derek Mason saves his job. He's got to get this team competitive. You know, well, we I mean, saw I mean, the, first, the first game of the year, exactly what you're talking about. You know, the week before we did a podcast about how the, all the doom and gloom that's around the program. And then they come out and they lose the first game, but they're somewhat competitive and Vanderbilt fans, suddenly got excited. They got excited about a new quarterback. You're exactly right. He's not got – he doesn't have to win. He just has to be somewhat competitive. And, and that's where games like this last one, Ole Miss, hurt, hurt you even more. And and I wanted to bring this topic back around because I saw such a uh, – you know, such a reaction on social media about that Ole Miss game because, you know, there were miscues in coaching. Um, they didn't adjust their coverages. Derek Mason admitted that afterwards that we, 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 we should have done one thing and, and we didn't. We did the other. We would, wouldn't break out of going uh, man coverage uh, with a pass rush. We should have pulled back, went into zone. Okay, well that's that's something that's got to change during the game, not not five minutes after the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a, an embarrassing miscue where they had two players in the field at the same time with the same number. We could do an entire podcast on that, but that's one of those small things. That somebody's got to pick that up. That's a small detail, and it harkens back to the Temple game, his first game ever, when there was a, you know, an issue about about uh, uh, jerseys that Vandy was penalized for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the fact that Ole Miss, yes, they're really good on offense, but Ole Miss is not a very good SEC team. They scored in eight of their nine first possessions. They would have gone nine for nine if they had a little more time before the half. But they were scoring at will, and this is a coach that has built his career on defense. It it tells you that whatever he had probably isn't there anymore. You know, yeah. Derek Mason has not been all valleys in his tenure. He's had peaks and valleys. He's had two bowl appearances, beat UT three years in a row. He beat a, a you know he won at Georgia one year. He beat Kansas State, a ranked team. He's got three or four ranked wins. You know, he's had some peaks, at least in Vandy standards, but he's in a valley right now. And that happened before COVID. He was in a valley last year and mm-hmm. and he's still in it. And, you know, they've got to show some signs of life because I think most people look at this roster and look at the season and say, I don't see them rising out of this, this season or next. And I, and I think that's a problem. That's when coaches get fired, when nobody can see the way out of it. And, and so that's why I think he's got to figure out a way to be, number one, win a game this year, but also just be competitive to show that the product is at least, at least watchable. Yeah. It, it, you, I mean, you talk about perception of what exactly what you're talking about now. And I, I listened to a radio show, I believe it was yesterday, uh, that might have been Monday, uh, where the, uh, the the hosts were talking to a beat writer from the University of Tennessee, who the beat writer was talking about Tennessee's chances of recovering and maybe going to a bowl game this year. And he said, uh, and then, you know, they finished the season up against Vanderbilt. And we've all seen how Vanderbilt rises up. And before he could even finish his sentence and say rises up to play Tennessee, uh, the two hosts cut him off and said, no, no, stop there. That, that doesn't happen this year. And he goes, no, guys, I've been around for a while, and I see how Vanderbilt gets up for Tennessee. And they both cut him off again. They said, no, you haven't seen this Vanderbilt team. You haven't seen how bad. Just take our word. That's not going to happen this year. So, you know, it's not even an apathetic fan base. It's the media, which, of course, that often leads to an apathetic uh, fan base. But 
exactly what you're saying. There's no, there's nothing there that lends any hope uh, whatsoever uh, that he has going on. And there's even kind of in this, you know, how, how bad can the team, how, how bad can the season go? There's actually kind of a, a couple of sub narratives in that there's one of, well, this team was bad last year before COVID and it's still bad. Um, and the roster is worse than it was last year. So it's not surprising that this, this season has gone uh, poorly and against an all SEC schedule, I get all that. So there's credence to this, this, you know, this program is not going to recover by the end of this season or next. There's the other narrative within that is, well, they're bad because of the depleted roster. There's some credence to that. But I, I do think that second part is what saves Derek Mason's job within this category because, as I mentioned, they lost another guy today. They lost a, another player um, last week um, for the year. The more depleted this roster is, I think the more – even if it's unintentional, the more Derek Mason can lean on that as a reason. For example, if they have another game postponed, they won't finish their entire schedule because right. they already have one postponement that's moved to December 12th, that extra week, the, the Missouri game. Uh, reaching the 53 was not an issue this last game. I think they had in the 60s in terms of scholarship players. But if you have another game postponed, which can happen any week, and when you're losing players for the season already, that, that lessens the guys that could be available. If that happens again, I, it helps Derek Mason. Because are you going to fire a coach, even if you should based on record, are you going to fire a coach that didn't even have enough players to finish his schedule? That's a tough one to swallow at Vanderbilt. It's not so much at other schools. That, that's a tough one at Vandy. And, and, and that takes me to the, to the third thing um, of the sort of these new topics with Derek Mason staying or going. Uh, Candace Lee, new athletic director, been there a long time, but she's new athletic director now. And uh, Daniel Deermeyer, the new chancellor, do they have enough juice to secure a buyout and fire a coach during a pandemic? Vandy, by their brand, and I've said this before, are not the type of school to lead the charge in, we're still going to fire our coach despite it being a pandemic. But, you know, I, I hear rumblings that Deermeyer would not be uh, would not be beyond that, that he, if the product was bad enough, there was no way out, he would at least, at least look at suggestions of moving on from Derek Mason. I have not talked to to, to Deermeyer about that, but I, I get a lot more sense uh, from people uh, around the program that he would be more apt to do that than Nick Zeppos, the former chancellor, would. I think Nick Zeppos would say, let's just move on. We don't want to pay a buyout. We'll figure it out next year. I, I'm curious to see if Deermeyer would would rethink that. I, I tend to think he would maybe a little bit more. Well, and see, that's that's, I think, the big thing there is we talk all the time about what Vanderbilt has done in the past and hasn't done more, I guess, more to the point. And the thing, the, uh, the wild card in that is that it may not matter what Vanderbilt has done in the past, considering the two people in charge at this point are both new. They're both first year people. I mean, I guess if you call Candace a first year person, cause she's not been in this position before. So do we know what Vanderbilt will do? I mean, well, and this goes both ways. This can be, if it starts from below and goes up, it can be Candace saying, I think we need to move on. 
and then her going to Deermeyer and Deermeyer saying, okay, it's going to be tough because we got to pay that buyout, but okay, we'll move on. And then going to the board of trust um, and saying, Hey, listen, we, we've really, really got to move on. And I think I figured out how to pay the buyout and them having to agree on what he recommends, or it can go from the top down. It can be the board of trust and Deermeyer deciding we have got to move on regardless of this buyout. We just got to pay it and go and then bring in Candace Lee and Candace Lee having to fire Derek Mason or Candace Lee fighting for Derek Mason and saying, we're in a pandemic. Let's use that money elsewhere. And let's, let's look at this again next season because Derek Mason barely has enough players to run out there. And he's got the hardest job in the sec and his job is harder this year than it would have been without a pandemic. Everything that makes the Vanderbilt job hard is harder during a pandemic. So there was almost, there, there was little room for him to turn this around this year. But again, they've got to be competitive. They can't lose about 37 points to a, to, to a team like that. So, I mean. Well, my question there is if it's, if this makes it harder to turn it around, if this year is not just a wash, but another step back, then can it be turned around? And that's something he's going to have to sell to those that make that decision are, you know, obviously we took a step back this year, but I'm going to get it back where it was. Well, they're going to come back and say, well, you were already pretty bad, and now you've gone, you've become even worse. Our question is, can you? are you the person that can turn it around? Well, and, th- and this is something that just sort of occurred to me, is that, uh, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday on Election Day, and the pandemic is a subplot to the election, obviously. And you you know, there's a narrative that the pandemic will, you know, start to wane uh, early 2021. And this is not going to be an issue by next summer or, or next football season. There's another narrative of we're going to be under some constraints similar to now next year, even next football season, possibly and into 2022. Um, And wherever people are on either side of that, I don't really care for the purposes of this podcast, but does Vanderbilt think that it's going to still be paying for three tests per week on his football players and all these other tests? The SEC shares his cost with them, but but Vanderbilt still pays a lot of these tests, and every student on campus is tested weekly. There's a large expense there. Do they think that's going to go on well into 2021? And if so, they may say, hey, we're go- we may run through this again and have the same problems next football season. Let's keep Derek Mason around, and we know the pandemic will be over after next season. Then we'll go and hire a new coach, and we won't have a buyout to pay. Or do they say, hey, I think the pandemic, COVID, is not going to be an issue next football season. Let's go ahead and cut ties, pay whatever the buyout is, and then let's hire a new coach to start fresh when we have a, a real full football season. I think internally that that matters because they have to discuss what a year from now looks like. And it's it's Vandy's, own, Vandy's brand usually to kick the can down the road in athletics, which would be, we don't know what's going to happen next year. Let's just keep our football coach and move on and we'll figure it out later because it's only athletics. That's, you know, I go back and forth on this, Mike, about what's the percentages that Derek is going to keep his job. And I like Derek Mason a lot. Uh, you know, I hope he succeeds because I like him a lot. But there's so many factors in here. And the worse they are, the worse it is for him on the field. 
the worse the circumstances are off the field in terms of roster, I think the better it is for him. And I think there's a lot of nuance in between those two. Yeah, and, and I tend to believe from my history with Vanderbilt and everything I know about Vanderbilt, I go with the latter and the fact that Vanderbilt, as you said, is more likely to kick the can on down the road and say, you know, let's just wait and uh, let's either get out of this pandemic or uh, uh, get take some steps toward getting out of it before we make a decision. So yeah. if I had to uh, uh, bet today, I would say that uh, Derek Mason keeps his job. And maybe that's where we circle back around to that apathy thing. We started this, this episode on, which was, Hey, maybe they fire him because the fan base is apathetic. Well, maybe they keep him because the fan base is apathetic because maybe nobody will really pitch much of a fit. If, if mid December, they just say, Hey, by the way, right before Christmas, we're going to let you know, we're going to keep Derek Mason. In- well, fans weren't happy that they kept him last year, and we didn't hear anything. No, I mean, it, died, it died down really quick, and, hey, it's basketball season, and can't wait till Tim Corbin trots Kumar Rocker out there in February. And that yep. may be what it is this time, too. The so. baseball, I think, the only thing that with baseball, the, the Vanderbilt fans did not you, – you mentioned that they waited until baseball. They didn't have baseball this past year. That probably caused uh, Derek Mason a little bit more frustration because they have been in a valley ever since uh, – the start of football season last year. Yeah, there wasn't that extra distraction for, for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that does it for this edition of Breaking Down the Doors. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Mike Oregon, I'm Adam Sparks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>